Hey creepy people, this is P&W Haunts and Homicides. I'm Caitlin. And I'm Cassie. Together we explore stories of the paranormal and true crime throughout the Pacific Northwest. We're just two normal-ish friends who wanted more creepy local stories. Our episodes start with a tarot reading to help us gain some insight on each topic as we share the facts of the case and our interpretations. Come join us. We've got plenty of wine, laughs, and stories to share. You can find our episodes featuring true stories from infamous as well as lesser-known true crime cases like the murders in Tunnel 13 and Forest Park. As well as our spooky stories from Pike Place in the Oregon Vortex on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, and many more. For all of you that are listening, if you have any true crime or paranormal stories that you want us to share, maybe with the whole Pacific Northwest, they don't have to be from the Pacific Northwest if you would like to share, email us at pnwhauntsandhomicides at gmail.com. It's all spelled out, no special characters. Last but certainly not least, head over to Patreon to support the show and we can provide even more creepy content. Have Have a a creepy creepy ass ass day. day! Content warning. This episode contains strong language and discussions of violence. Trigger warning. This episode explores situations of murder and necrophilia. Listener discretion is strongly advised. So Halloween's been pretty good. We, we covered Dean Coral, Tony Costa, Ed Gein. We worked together on that horrific Toolbox Killers episode. Oh, that was brutal. Oh. I'm glad we worked together on that, though, because I don't think either one of us would have been able to handle that alone. It was definitely eye-opening for sure, but, you know, we did do that bonus Halloween episode, and I'm actually pretty proud of how that turned out. That was fun. We did our thing. So Troy showed up awkwardly, but made us laugh. Allie is an absolute doll. And that spooky story at the end? Yikes. So I'm not going to even lie to you. I spent like something like 12 hours, maybe nine hours. I don't remember what I told you earlier. Um, Editing both of those episodes. And, you know, the majority of that went to the Halloween one. And then I went to bed that morning at six after uploading them. And, you know, normally I'll lay down in bed, eat a snack, take my meds, watch a little TV, but... I literally fell into bed and crashed, but it was well worth it, I'd say. It was badass. So what did you end up doing for Halloween? I made five Halloween nights and meals, which you so kindly put on Instagram and Facebook. Which everybody loved, by the way. Good. I love yeah. Halloween. Like I, we, Halloween's a shit, dude. <laughs> I like spooky season. I'm, I can't help myself. Yes. <laughs> and everyone's like, I can't wait till Christmas. So it's like, uh-oh. No, Anna. Anna goes. Anna goes. We, we were done trick or treating, and then we got home, and I was like, "Did you have fun trick or treating? Your first trick or treat?" She was like, "Uh huh." And I was like, "What are you gonna be next year?" She goes, "A vampire." So that was, yes. you know. But then um, she goes, "I can't wait for Halloween," and I was like, "Well, Halloween just you know ended, but but if you want, we can make." it a full year of Halloween, you know? So a lot of people are saying spooky season's ended. I disagree. I think spooky season lasts until, you know, spring starts, to be honest with you, because it's cold and dark. You know what I mean? Cold and dark. Cold no, and dark. I, love, I like the Christmas season, too. Like, I go, like, full on out on decorations. I don't know, but when it comes to, like, my food and my de- my stuff, like, I'd rather do, like, creepy yeah. with, like, the food. It's more fun. I'll do some 
Yeah. Holiday, something cute. Probably maybe the week of Christmas I'll do it, but... Oh, man, you know what's cool for food for Halloween from what I remember is, like, peeled grapes for eyeballs and then cold spaghetti noodles for guts. Oh. Yeah, last year I made uh, black spaghetti. Like, and <laughs> then, like, red meatballs. That sounds gross, and I want some. Uh, it was fun. And, Guys, like, I did some uh, green olives in there. I'll tell you what, it is Halloween 32nd today, so... Woo-woo. Halloween 32nd. I refuse to say it's November 1st. It's Halloween 32nd. 32nd. I like yeah. it. Yeah, Halloween 32nd. So what else did you do? So took the kids trick-or-treating, of yep. course. Mm-hmm. But that didn't really last. Yeah. I was rearing to go, but they weren't really keeping up with me. So what about yeah. you? Well, I did not cook five wonderful Halloween meals, but I did finally get Anna out trick-or-treating and you know it was her first year doing that and she went as a pink bunny and she referred to the houses as her customers. Uh-oh. Sounds like a future in retail or as a Jehovah's Witness. Or a drug dealer but I hope not but anyways she just wants <laughs> to be a she just wants to be a vampire next year so pretty sure we're safe. So uh who are we talking about today? Is it is it Thanksgiving related? Uh well sure I guess. I know this one's pretty brutal, but you know we need to we need to put a theme on it. You know, isn't that how we do things now? Uh, so let's see. <clears throat> gobble gobble gobble. Get out your drumsticks, cornucopias. Gather all your friends and let's discuss a true Thanksgiving supervillain, Dennis Nielsen. Did I do it right? So, I didn't do, it right. do we get yes. to beat him? Do we get to beat him with a drumstick? That's a huge waste of a proper drumstick. But Dennis Nielsen is a turkey, and he's about to get stuffed. Sweet, that's metal as fudge. Everyone, get out your pumpkin pies and hold on to your pecans and casseroles. Join us for a real ravishing. I can't speak today. That was, that was fine. You did great. Hey guys, I'm Amanda. And I'm Court. Wait, what are we doing? I don't know. We never introduce ourselves. It's not like we can start now. They know who we are. Uh, but the new ones just tuning in probably don't. Oh, yeah. Also, just FYI, this is our first case abroad. Oh, wow. Yeah, episode 18, and we finally leave the U.S. Wait, 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 wait. Nope, nope, you're wrong. That's not true. Pap and sisters were from France. Oh, yeah. I must have forgotten due to trying really hard to block that from my memory. (laughs) But thanks to you, I'm reliving it all over again. I'm very thankful to you. Well, Thanksgiving is coming. No turkey baster jokes. I'm thankful for that. Actually, I was going to recommend the movie Thanksgiving, uh, the movie was so bad that they skipped right over part two and did Thanksgiving 3. Wait, what? 
Yeah, Google it. You'll see just Thanksgiving and Thanksgiving 3. The villain is a turkey. His name is Turkey, but it's spelled with a, an E instead of a Y. Uh, it's a really, really dumb movie, and it makes it all that much better. All right. I'll check it out. Sounds like a fun, family-friendly affair. You know what else is a fun, family-friendly affair? No, what? The Pappen sisters and their turkey baster. Jesus, Courtney. I was shocked. <laughs> I was shopping online for turkey basters, and I found this masterpiece on Amazon. It's the Quiza Pro Fat Separator and 3-in-1 Turkey Baster. It helps you baste turkeys and make gravy. Comes in at a cool $52.95. So, Dennis Nielsen was born. <laughs> In Fraserburg, Scotland, on November 23rd, 1945, to Elizabeth White and Olaf Mokshine, a Norwegian soldier who traveled to Scotland in 1940 after the German occupation of Norway. He was a, a part of the Free Norwegian Forces. Olaf married Elizabeth White in May of 1942, and after a brief courtship, they moved into her parents' house. This is already sounding really, really dark and spooky. It should be. Oh. This is, this is, a, this is another messed up case. I'm seeing a lot of foreshadowing there. And, and just by you saying, you know, so. Mm-hmm. And Mokshaim. Mokshaim. Lots of foreshadowing. Oh, yeah. But his parents, of course. <laughs> His parents had a very difficult marriage. Oi. <laughs> Did I throw you off? I don't know what to think about every single case I do. <laughs> the parents are to blame. Oh, yeah. That's not true. The parents are, are not to, to blame. No, on every single one. Not but, all of them. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> off my rant, I get off, step off my soapbox. Okay. So his parents had a very difficult marriage because Olaf didn't take it anywhere near as seriously as he did with the duties of the free Norwegian forces. Okay. So his parents were, of course, shitty ones that fought a lot. Okay. Dennis lived with his siblings, his mother, and his maternal grandfather, whom Dennis loved. Mm. Dennis claimed years later that seeing his grandfather's corpse at his funeral is what led to his behavior. Of course it's everyone's fault. I already don't like you, Dennis the Menace. I think Dennis the Menace is based loosely on Dennis Nielsen Wilson. Nielsen. <laughs> <laughs> he would have been a great father. Great grandfather. Great grandfather? Wilson would have been the grandfather. Yeah. Well, Dennis, you know, he's a menace. Somehow I doubt that, but, you know, way to be factual. Plus, uh, wasn't Dennis the Menace in, like, production a bit later? Anyway, while that joke did not land, <laughs> back to Dennis. So his mother ended the marriage, deciding that she rushed into things without thinking. And her parents were supportive of this as they never approved of Olaf. Bye, Olaf. I keep wanting to say, like, Olaf. Like, yeah, I imagine, like, typing hard. Olaf would autocorrect to Olaf quite a bit. 
So she ended up remarrying and having four more children, which, so after that, she ignored her older kids often, according to Dennis. Oh, I bet he loved that. Something about this screams sibling rivalry. I wonder if Thanksgiving was always peaceful for them. Well, considering that Thanksgiving is an American holiday, I feel like Thanksgiving was super peaceful for them because they did not celebrate it. Oh, okay. (laughs) So Dennis was considered to be a quiet but adventurous kid. Someone that thought his paternal grandparents were cold and dour and having an especially close bond with his maternal grandfather whom would take him on picnics and carry him on his shoulders as they went out. And they took these especially long walks along the harbor, which is described as a long stretch of beach with sand dunes that rose 30 feet behind the beach. Sounds beautiful. It does sound really pretty. Yeah. I did. I kind of went and looked at pictures. (laughs) It is really pretty. So he did later describe this period of his life as one of the great contentments and recalled his grandfather as a great hero and protector and he would say that the times with his grandfather left to be a fisherman that he would just feel very empty man i had an uncle like that his name was bob uh he passed away when i was 12 due to succumbing to hiv he was an amazing person who who introduced my sister and i to disney and going to the movies and you know one time he actually kind of punished me because i was in a bad mood and I wanted to be mean because I was a little kid. And I was like, I'm siding with the stepsisters from Cinderella. And he drove right through that drive through at McDonald's and was like, you are not getting a Happy Meal. And I never oh. sided with the stepsisters again. But but no, he was he was always there for me and my sister, especially when we were going through shit at school. And I mean, those are the kinds of people in your life. They're, they're the best. Yeah, they really are. So, I mean, I get it. He was, he was very close to his grandfather. Yeah. I I think everybody maybe has that one person in their lives. Yeah. Not that I want to sympathize with Dennis Nielsen. Right. But at one point he was just a little boy and I try to remember that too. Right. So... His grandfather's health started to decline, and in 1952, he suffered a heart attack and passed away. His mother asked him if he wanted to see his grandfather one last time, and he recalls very vividly seeing his mother crying, and when she went in to look at his grandfather, his mother said that he was just sleeping and he's gone to a better place. That sucks. Yeah, I really don't. I've always seen him, like doctor shows they say never say that to kids right because they're gonna believe that for a long time and then feel you have to say you know they died you have to be very yeah with that as hard as that is and i mean if you're not willing to say it in front of people at a funeral then there there's a if, if a kid's like asking you oh what happened to uncle johnny you know just be like you know what i, I will explain it later i'll explain it later yeah. and then you find a good point later to explain death if you haven't done that yet. Yeah. So following his grandfather's passing, Dennis became withdrawn and even more quiet. He seldomly participated in family activities and would decline invitations from other adult family members to do things. 
He then grew resentful for how much attention his mother and stepfather had given his step-siblings, mm-hmm. while he resented and was envious of Olaf Jr.'s popularity. Yeah. I can imagine that's hard. Yeah. You know? And, like, the one person he had actually in his life, like, he had just gone. So he was close with his younger sister, Sylvia, whom he played games with and talked to. He was closer with her than anyone else in his family. I don't like this. No. So at around 12 or 13, Dennis realized that he was gay. I love that for him. Yeah, well, normally you would, right? But you won't love that for his victims. All right. So I hate that for the for his vict for his victims. There's nothing wrong with being gay. No. Absolutely not. But for Dennis, this was preferential offender mo yeah was for that type of gay man so his victims were male okay got it he felt confused and ashamed so he kept it a secret from his family and few friends which off the script i want to say that court and i strongly encourage and applaud the strength that the lgbtq plus community for all that they have to endure and everything we can only imagine how tough it has to be and see evidence to that to this day. Yep. Uh, one example will be the case of Matthew Shepard, which we will cover in the future. Yes. Hmm. So anyway, Dennis had an attraction towards boys that had very similar features to Sylvia. Later hmm. recalling that it was a misplaced care for his younger sister. Okay. He did at one point sexually fondle his sister and later fondled his older brother as he slept. Ugh. He never made advances at people, but did later recall that a youth had made advances at him and fondled him. And he did not particularly find this to be a bad thing. He enjoyed it. Oh, okay. Because of all this, Olaf Jr. would make Dennis the butt of jokes and would publicly shame him, having a feeling that he was gay. Right. Nielsen believed at one point that the act of fondling his sister was actually making him bisexual. Okay. He ended up feeling stifled and bored, and also while he claimed to have respected his parents' decision to raise the family, he also resented the fact that they were much more poor than everyone else who lived around them. Yeah, that's kind of easy to feel a little resentful. I mean, it's not necessarily anybody's fault, but it's it's not it's not difficult to feel resentment. No. So, yeah. at 16, he enlisted in the army and became a cook, serving as a butcher in the army catering corps. Uh-oh, is is this a foreshadowing? Not in the sense you're thinking. Okay. He was a necrophiliac, but not a cannibal. Uh, get out of my head. <laughs> <laughs> so, after leaving the army in 1972, Dennis took up police training, and that's when he discovered an interest in morgue visits and autopsies. Oh. Yeah. He resigned and went on to become a recruitment in- interviewer. Well, that's kind of a... I was I like, like that? That went, like, from sunrise to sunset right there. Like, he went from autopsies to, like, corporate. (laughs) It's a little weird. I was like, okay, that threw me. (laughs) (laughs) 
So this is where he met David Painter, who was a co-worker of his. Okay. In 1973, David Painter went to the police claiming that Dennis had taken pictures of him while he was asleep. Ugh. Yeah. Dennis was brought into the police station for questioning, but ultimately was released without charges. This this kind of makes me mad because back then he had a really hard time proving photos and he likely used like a Polaroid camera. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Whoever got their hands on those. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Sorry. That's why I can't do that work. <laughs> so fast forward to 1975. Mm-hmm. Dennis moved in with David. I don't know how to say his last name. Um, Gallican. Gallican. If this is Scotland, I'm gonna Gallican. Okay. We're doing our best. We're doing our best. Yep. I I can't do accents, y'all. I can, but I'm not gonna try right now. So, <laughs> Gallican. All right. So David. We're going to go with David. David G. Okay, David G. Sorry, I really don't want to butcher his name, so. Understandable. So, it's 1975. Dennis has moved in with David G. Mm-hmm. In a garden apartment in North London. Although David denied that they had a relationship, they did live together for a couple of years and then parted their ways. When they separated... Dennis apparently started spiraling and 18 months later, he committed his first murder. It's so weird that just like with the toolbox murders, uh, you know how Lawrence Bittaker, you know, he kind of spiraled after he and Mary broke up. It's kind of like the same thing. Right. So it seems to be one of the most common things in some of these cases. Yeah, for sure. And in December 29th, 1978, Dennis is at a local pub and he meets a young man that he invites back to his home. The next morning as the young man tries to leave, Dennis got angry that he was leaving. So he strangled him with a tie and then drowned him in a bucket of water. What a dick. Yeah. After he was dead, uh, Dennis brought him to the bathroom to wash him up. And then he placed him in bed later saying how beautiful a body was. Oh, just a quick aside can you like I don't know can you imagine like somebody just killing you and then cleaning you like lovingly and then just gawking at you (laughs) like how beautiful I can't can't imagine it either but I mean I would be dead so I couldn't you know but I mean I don't know I guess he he really couldn't handle rejection. And um, I do mean that as a joke, but at the same time, and that also kind of tells you that he had suppressed feelings towards rejection due to feeling kind of rejected growing up. Oh, wow. I didn't think about it like that. Yep. So, yeah. Well, he attempted to have sex with the body, but he was unsuccessful. (laughs) Not even, I'm not digging any more than that. I'm, like, I'm, I'm, I almost laughed about that because it's not like I'm laughing at the body that he tried to have sex with but was unsuccessful. I just, I, I saw a Viagra <laughs> commercial pop up in my brain. And I'm like, why was he unsuccessful? 
but but you know yeah. <laughs> I hope he didn't <laughs> so what happened after he was unsuccessful so. in his endeavor of trying to put his penis into this guy's uh, hole <gasps> gross so he spent the night next to the body yeah and then hid it under his floorboards for the next seven months while taking it out and burning the remains in his back garden I know in the UK they call it garden where we call it a front and backyard. Yeah. Um, but still, though, I can't help but think of like a flower garden that maybe he just wanted to, for, you know, fertilize organically. Maybe a drone flew by and caught a hand sticking out to collect something from his parents. Wrong case, Courtney. I know, but I so desperately want to talk about it. Me too, but moving on, silly. <laughs> <laughs> So Dennis had another close call with police in October of 1979 when a young student accused him of trying to strangle him during a bondage play type of thing. Okay. Despite the student's claims, no charges were pressed against Dennis. I imagine BDSM and the like were super freaky back then, you know, because back then was a... Uh, it was a coming of age, but it was slightly more conservative than it is now, you know? So it's my whole theory that, like, the more conservative somebody might be, the more freaky-deaky they are behind closed doors. Mm -hmm. But on the topic, it's sad that charges, you know, weren't pressed. It only reflects my own belief that young people aren't and weren't taken seriously. And when they try to report it or talk about shit like this, they were just kind of ignored. Yeah. I mean, even to this day. Victims yep. are coming forward a lot more these days, which makes them absolute heroes. But even still, there's some kind of stigma tied to it where people are afraid to come forward and report. Oh, it's infuriating. Not the victims, but the fear that people place on them. Yeah, it's, it's heartbreaking. Yep. People speak out. Yep. So Dennis encountered his second victim, a Canadian tourist, Kenneth. Akandon, at a pub on December 3rd of 1979. Following a day of sightseeing and drinking, which ended at Dennis's apartment, mm -hmm. he again got mad when Kenneth tried to leave and strangled him to death with an, with an electrical cable this time. Okay, dude. Seriously need to learn to, you know, handle your rejection a bit better. Yeah, I don't think he's going to. Hmm. So after this, he cleaned up the corpse, as he did before, and he shared the body. Uh, he shared the bed. He shared the bed with the body overnight. And he was probably gawking at it and telling it how beautiful he was. Just makes me sick. Ugh. So he took photos at this time, mm -hmm. engaged in sex, oh, okay, and finally put the corpse under the floorboards. Again, removing it frequently and engaging in conversation as if Kenneth were still alive. This is bringing back old beef jerky face. <laughs> old Ed Gein. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Although I'm not sure if he talked to any of his victims post-mortem. But he sure did try to live their lives. He sure did with the mom suit. Ugh. That. So. so his third victim was about five months later. Martin Duffy. He was a homeless 16-year-old. He invited to spend the night on May 13th of 1980 
as with his first victim, Dennis was strangled, then drowned, before bringing him back to bed and then masturbating over the teenager's corpse. Oh, man. <clears throat> yeah, that was hard. Now, differently this time, Martin was kept in a wardrobe for two weeks before joining Kenneth under the floorboards. So I guess uh, he kind of got upgraded to uh, wardrobe and then downgraded to floorboard. First off, how incredibly sad. You know, not only was he a homeless 16-year-old, but he was also so young. Um, also, how did anyone not know? Uh, wouldn't there be a smell? I remember walking a neighborhood back when I was still living in Dallas and I was trying to lose weight. And I smelled this awful smell coming from someone's house. This is near, like, the Hillcrest area, like the Hillcrest High School. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And um, I used to live over there. But um, but I smelled something awful. It was coming from someone's house. And I insisted that something was up. I was like, that could be a dead animal. I don't know. Because I've never smelled a smell like that before. And it never left my nose hairs. But um, I did find out later that evidently it was an elderly lady who had passed away at the time, that, you know, at the same house and nobody had checked on her, which is really sad in and of itself. You know, yeah. I don't know how long she was there, but I can't imagine it would have been that long. But, you know, I think two weeks decomp would totally occur and surely there would be a smell. Definitely. Ugh. I can't. I don't want to ever know that smell. I just don't. It's not... A want of mine. Ugh. Not gonna go there. Ugh. So, it's horrible. Moving on. His fourth victim was a sex worker. His name was Billy Sutherland. He was 27 years old. And he sadly followed Dennis home one night where he was too strangled. Okay. Um, another one of his victims was 24-year-old Malcolm Barlow. He was an orphan with learning disabilities. Oh. Yes. Who was soon killed by strangulation. That's incredibly sad, dude. Yes. This is kind of bringing me back a little bit to the last... I'm just not going to mention that case anymore. The last case we did. Yeah. Uh. Anyway... I, I think right here we're going to take a short break, so we will be right back. Hey, Courtney. What's up? You, you tend to deal with more of the production side of this podcast. Uh-huh. What kind of tools do you use? Well, I actually use a few things, but my favorite one I use is a really cool program called Anchor. Really? Yeah, it's by far the easiest way to create a podcast. They provide creation tools that allow you to record. You can also edit your podcast right from your computer or cell phone. Wow, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. So how do you push your podcast to different platforms? Dude, Anchor does it all for you. They distribute your podcast to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other platforms. That's cool. Yeah. On top of us wrangling our kids, working full time, doing research, that does seem to cut down a lot of the time, huh? Oh, yeah. How come we didn't know about this sooner? Honestly, I really don't know. But one of the best parts about this is you don't have to have a minimum number of listeners or plays to monetize off your podcast. That's awesome. That helps us become one step closer to helping donate back to the victims and their families. Yeah, that's important. But how much does it cost to use Anchor? Well, are you ready for this? Yeah, bring it on. It's free dude dude that's awesome go download the free anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started 
Hi, this is Louise with True Crime with Thelma and Louise. Thelma and I got together a few months ago and we created an organization and a YouTube channel to bring awareness and education to human trafficking and missing people. We just happen to love true crime as well. We have three Facebook groups, Hunter's Angel Network, True Crime and Psychology with Thelma and Louise, and Michigan Coalition for Human Trafficking Awareness, where we also offer resources for victims and we have an email address in case someone needs immediate attention or help. We're on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter, and we have a website where you'll find our blog and all of our merchandise that we design and create ourselves. Our passion is missing people, human trafficking awareness. We also happen to love true crime. So we hope you'll join us soon on YouTube at True Crime with Thelma and Louise. And I hope you don't mind if we throw in a little morbid humor because we have to lighten the mood just a little bit. Okay, and we are back. Hang on, I, I have something to say. So, what? I uh, I haven't been able to uh, get my Vile Beans coffee, and uh, so I actually have this other coffee that I've been drinking, and it's DG brand. Dolce & Gabbana? Not at all. Dollar General. So, <laughs> I'm drinking this coffee, and it's supposed to be donut shop, but it tastes like cigarette ashes, and Ooh. yeah, so that's all I had to say. Dollar General... Give me back my $4. <laughs> you you can't complain about coffee from Dollar General. Yeah. <laughs> That's like, <laughs> I'm a coffee snob. I am too, but you know what? You know what? I am, I'm a little on the, on the broke side. So <laughs> I had to go to Dollar General today to go get, some toilet paper and coffee. <laughs> My toilet paper was like a dollar. But uh, I would much rather have one dollar two-ply toilet paper from Dollar General than their coffee. So it, it works for right now, but yuck. I'm going to say just coffee. Anyway, I'm done. <laughs> so, okay. To catch everyone up, we basically deduce that Dennis is an asshat. Mm-hmm. An asshat. An asshat. I like that word. I do, too. I liked it, so I used it. You did a great job. <laughs> so, by 1981, Dennis had killed 12 men in the apartment. Ugh. Wow. Sadly, yeah. Isn't that insane? That's crazy. Sadly, only four could be identified. Well, they were probably not identified properly because... Whoever had to do the identifying had some DG coffee and were a little distracted by the taste of cigarette ashes. Coffee. Gross. If I'll be in since, since, you know, we're on that subject, you know, why don't you go ahead and send me a bag? Ooh, me too, me too, please. Yeah, we're broke. <laughs> so. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can... We're going off a tangent here, but... <laughs> Honestly, this is kind of promo for Vile Beans in, in a way. Now because... I'm just sitting here thinking about coffee. You do not want some of this coffee that I'm drinking. I'm telling you, it tastes like cigarette ashes. And don't ask me I how I know. Coffee. Uh, <laughs> fine. <laughs> okay, so quick off the subject, really off the subject, but uh, a little backstory. I was a barista for 10 years, so I too am a coffee snob. In fact, of all the coffee I've ever had, I'll tell you that Nordstrom E-Bar coffee is the best. Oh, I love it. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, I, I, I'm sorry. I said that very quietly. Could y'all not even hear me? That's okay. Nordstrom's E Bar and uh, their white mocha, particularly, but Ooh. but I'm sitting here d- drinking Dolce and Gabbana coffee from Dollar General, and Ooh. it's um, I don't know, it's giving me a headache, and I kind of want to throw up and and also drink some more of this coffee because I need to be caffeinated at all times. So, so vile beans. <laughs> Vile Beans, by the way, she's got a podcast now. It's called Murder Over Coffee, and it's on YouTube. So just letting you know. But but I think that, you know, if people would just go buy some of their fucking coffee from us and do the, the 15% off code, we might be able to afford some Vile Beans coffee because we get a little Go bit buy of- your Vile Beans coffee. Yeah, go buy Vile Beans. Okay, anyways, I am sorry that I keep going off the subject. I'm just kind of pissed. You're good. Okay. We'll just jump back on the Dennis. Okay. Not literally. I don't want to do that. Yeah. So. All right. So since he preyed on the homeless and sex workers a lot, these boys or men were never reported missing. Man, unfortunately, we're in 2021. We're almost in 2022. Yeah. And nothing has changed much. Just because they're homeless or a sex worker or even both, it doesn't mean they weren't people jesus christ i know it's heartbreaking so heartbreaking to me mm. they're still mm. people they're still i mean probably not in their lives but they're still somebody's son or daughter or exactly you person. know and i mean we can't judge them for being homeless or a sex worker i mean they've got they either wanted to be on that path or had no choice but to be on that path no matter mm-hmm. what, it doesn't make them any less of a person than you or me. Nope. So, fuck. So, Dennis claimed that he went into a killing trance and on seven occasions actually freed the men rather than killing them because he was able to, quote unquote, snap out of it. Good for you, Dennis. You fucking hero. Yeah, many dick victims were not so lucky. And that was sarcasm, by the way. I hope everybody caught that. hope so. <laughs> I did. Okay, good. So, by the time Malcolm Barlow was killed, Dennis was forced to put him under the kitchen sink. Okay, okay. Uh, who forced him to do that? That's I put, like, I don't know why I do that on podcasts. Like, I'm, I'm quoting with my fingers. You guys can't see me, but... No, I know, but like, I mean, I want to know... Quote, forced. Right, but who forced him is what I want to know. Like, nobody fucking forced nobody. him to do anything. I guess him running out of space. Forced. Dennis forced Dennis. Dennis forced Dennis to put this poor, poor victim under the kitchen sink. Mm-hmm. And as he was rapidly running out of storage space with half a dozen bodies hidden around his apartment, Mm. he even said he had to spray his rooms twice a day to be rid of the flies that were getting out of control for obvious reasons. So maybe a good way to counteract and control the fly problem is not to kill people. Thanks. You would think. Why waste all your energy on spraying your room when you can just, I don't know, not kill people? This ne- this next part, like, mm-hmm. seriously boggles my mind. 
Yeah. So neighbors start complaining about the smell, right? Mm. He apparently convinced them that they were like these smells were from structural problems with the building. What? What? Going, go, <laughs> going back to my thought. What? When I was walking in that one Dallas neighborhood, no. What's a stru- structural problem? I mean, unless he's talking about plumbing, that's a very big, huge, strong maybe. Uh, but no, it's not a structural problem. I'm I'm face palming. Okay, <laughs> no structural problem. Rotting wood, maybe. No. no. What? No structural problem can make a smell like that unless someone died as a result of the said structural problem. Yeah. And if that were the case. It would have been a person that wasn't checked in on and decompo- decomposed. Yeah. So either way, what the fuck? What the fuck? I'm sorry. I'm sorry, guys. What the fudge? <laughs> I just like. I'm, I'm judging them. I'm sorry. I'm gonna put it out there. I'm judging the people. Okay. I'm judging the other people who believes that. <laughs> I mean, I, I get naivety but uh no <laughs> if somebody like, okay, were to, well, somebody better come check it out because if somebody came to me and said oh don't worry about the smell it's a structural problem i'd be like okay and then they'd leave it i'd be like hey i think there's a dead body or 15 in that apartment can you go check in on that please he's yeah. not here anymore so he can't kill me but i'm telling you under the safety of my own home he thinks that i believe it he thinks that I believe it, so you're good. But I do not. <laughs> because I'm on a dumbass. Sorry. Anyways. But yeah, I mean, so, like, <clears throat> I don't know. That sucks. Okay, anyways. I know. It just, it, it honestly just boggled my mind. Uh, but to get rid of the corpse, he would remove all his clothing and these. Uh, dismember them right on his kitchen floor. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. He would remove all of his clothing? Yes. Are you sure that the reason why he was removing all his clothing was for that reason instead of trying to make sweet, passionate love? I feel like this guy comes up with plenty of excuses as to what he does, but like what he really does, you know. Everything's an excuse. He has an excuse for everything. Yeah. So, he did that with a large kitchen knife apparently mm-hmm. and sometimes also boiling the skulls to remove the flesh yep beef licorice man beef licorice isn't licorice the candy equivalent to beef jerky i see where you're coming from but i think that would be fruit leathers but before we get off topic and believe me we will discuss fruit leathers one day let's continue Fruit leathers exist? Yes. Speaking of fruit leathers, which we have zero to do with this case. (laughs) (laughs) He'd also place the organs in plastic bags for disposal. Then he would bury the limbs in the garden Mm -hmm. and in the shed. He'd stuff the torsos into suitcases until he could burn the remains in a bonfire at the end of his garden. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, On occasion, he would burn fires all day without raising any suspicions from neighbors. 
He generally crushed the bones once the fire had consumed the flesh. And police found thousands of bone fragments in the garden during later forensic examinations. Wow, he's really a true fucking asshat. I still can't believe that the smell like that wouldn't make things obvious. I mean, I'm pretty sure that burning flesh has a smell. Yeah, and I'm going to kind of jump off here and jump back on my soapbox. Um, so, how... I'm, I, I'm sorry, I'm laughing because to see you genuinely, like, pissed and confused is a rare occurrence. Yeah. How do you walk, like, is he just, like, walking with, like, the body, like, in a suitcase and then, like, he's in an apartment. Yeah. He's in an apartment and he's in his front garden, which is his front yard or backyard, whichever one he's in. Right. Burning bodies. Yeah. And nobody sees it. Thing. Oh my god. It's they, just like what? they must have they must have thought that it was like a foundational problem or something. No big deal. It was just it was the plumbing that made that smell. Yeah. Well I don't even want to think of that smell. Yeah. But jump into nineteen eighty two in a desperate attempt to stop his homicidal behavior. Mm-hmm. Mm. Dennis moved into a top floor apartment, also staying in North London. Mm-hmm. He, which this one had no garden. No. Oh. No convenient floorboards. Okay, okay. So that's going to that's gonna solve all his problems. Well, that does. <laughs> Despite his attempt, Dennis strangled John Howlett, who was 23 years old, mm-hmm. by drowning him in a bathtub after three unsuccessful attempts to kill him one night. Oh, man. How terrifying. Yeah. Three wow. times he tried to kill this guy. Right. And then drowning him. Man. Yeah. <sighs> and then came Graham Allen, who was 27. That was his next victim. And he murdered him in September. Okay. In 1982. His wow. body was dissected on the kitchen floor after being left in the bathtub for three days. What the actual fudge sickle? Trying to work on my cursing. I'm seriously fucking trying. Yeah, this was hard to type up, girl. Hmm. Dennis's final known victim was Stephen Sinclair, who was strangled while asleep. He then bathed him and laid him on the bed while Dennis slept alongside the corpse again. What a fucking gross individual. Yeah. Fucking Dennis. Oh, this guy's pretty gnarly. Yeah. He came, He overcame his obstacles about what to do with the bodies. Don't worry. Okay. By boiling the heads, the feet, and the hands. Dissecting the bodies into small pieces that could be flushed down the toilet. And disposed of in plastic bags. For real? This is giving me some Ed Gein and Tony Costa vibes. Right? Yeah. And I know some of our listeners are going to be like, why do y'all keep referring back to other crimes y'all have covered? Well, the reason is because we're kind of showing you that there's a lot of similarities in all these cases. Thank you for pointing that out for me. Yeah. So... (laughs) There were five other tenants where Dennis lived. Apparently nobody even knows this. Okay. 
Um, none of them knew Dennis very well. Mm-hmm. I can just assume that he was a recluse. Right. And, yeah, I think he like, liked being by himself. This was evident in his early life, so I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. And in early February 1983, one of the neighbors called out drain specialist Dino Rod to investigate a drainage blockage. Why do I feel like Dino Rod is like a superhero? It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Dino Rod. Or like Batman with the big Dino Rod symbol in the sky. I'm Dino Rod. I liked your Batman accent. I, I, I did an awful job. Awful <laughs> job. I, I apologize. I like, it. I like Thank it. you. I'm Dino Rod. I am. No, I am Dino Rod. <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> let's, let's keep going. <laughs> all right. So while all the other tenants, including Dennis, watched the plumber discover rotting human remains when he came up from the outdoor manhole. I'm just going to add lip in here too that could you just like see everybody standing outside watching this guy and Dennis is just standing in the back. I'm just like sitting there imagining that it's like a spectator sport and everybody's like rubbernecking and they're just like you know if it were me I would do this and the other guy no if it were me I would do this instead and then this person randomly walks up and oh do you see that pair of pants how much is that pair of pants I want to get that for my husband it's just like everybody's like having this conversation about everything while watching this occur. Same fucking people who are like, oh, okay, I believe that that smell came from like, what, a foundational problem? What the, a structural problem, my bad. Structural problem. I mean, uh, I don't know. I'm very, I just, every time I think about this in my head, I can just like, see him just like bobbing his head, like kind of in the back. I want to know what the name of this apartment is. So that way, like anybody that I meet that's ignorant and stupid. <laughs> hey, I have a place for you to go live. Yeah. <laughs> I know the place. So anyways, stepping down off my soapbox. Yeah. Um, it was decided right then and there that a full inspection would be conducted the next day. Oh, God. Okay. okay. Of course. After which the police would be called in to investigate. Mm. Dennis was very nervous for obvious reasons and tried to cover his tracks by removing the human tissue from the drains himself that night. But he was spotted by the downstairs neighbor who became kind of suspicious of his actions. Suddenly? I am trying to keep my mouth shut. Why couldn't they have investigated this that day? I mean, I get that investigations can be lengthy, but there's fudging proof right there. I mean, like, seriously, why were the cops not, like, there within minutes? I know. like, pulling body parts out of a drain. Oh, well, we'll just call the investigators tomorrow. Like, I did, I did, I did... I did a lot of research on this and I could not really find anywhere to explain why they They went this course. They had had to sleep on it for a bit. Are we sure? Are we sure? Man, this is just, it's fudging crazy. I just don't, I really don't understand that part. It just drives me insane. It's fudging ridiculous. 
Oh my gosh. Oh. <laughs> what the fudge? I'm. What the fudge? What the fudge? So, Courtney, you really don't have to work on your cursing. You said fudging and all, and I can't help thinking about poop. I'm actually thinking about fudge, like what we would get during Thanksgiving. Are you ready for Thanksgiving, I take it? Actually, no, because I'll have to be the one to cook, which fucking sucks. Oh, I try to avoid that on Thanksgiving. Mm. Jumping back to Dennis the Jerk Face, he was met on the evening of February 9th, 1983, by Detective Chief Inspector J. Who was a day late and a dollar short. <laughs> Sounds like a superhero, like a bad superhero name. Detective Chief Inspector J. Okay. (laughs) Who informed him that they wished to question him in relation to the human remains that had been discovered in the drains. I am blown the fuck away. I don't know why he was a suspect. Hey, by the way, um, so we just found these body parts and is it okay if we question you about those? Like, (laughs) what? (laughs) No... Oh, that would be happening. Can we, it's like, it's, and then he's like, I don't know, can, can we schedule me in for like mid-March? I'll come in in a few weeks. I'll, I'll be there, I'll be there in a, yeah. Let me just, I got some business to take care of, like, I don't know, I just saw this really hot cashier over at hmm? Tom Thumb and, and I just kind of want to murder him first. And then after that, can we do, can I'm we I'm all do, yours. We'll talk. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I got I got a full schedule. Jeez Louise. <laughs> so upon entering the apartment, Detective Chief Inspector J. <laughs> Detective Chief Inspector J. That's all I'm calling him from now on. <laughs> okay. He noticed the foul odor and asked Dennis what that was. Oh God. <laughs> 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 Guys, okay. We got the giggles now. We're not going to stop. <laughs> Listen, Allie, I'm just going to go. I'm jumping off topic for just a second. Allie <laughs> mentioned in like the Halloween episode how she was like, I don't see how y'all could discuss such horrific cases and be fucking hilarious at the same time. And I'm just sitting here like, dude, some of the time the case itself being like the investigators or some of the dumbasses that like surround it make me laugh. I mean, I'm sorry. It's like it's. <laughs> It's like a, watching a fucking dumpster fire occur right in front of you and, you know, <laughs> but, Absolutely. but yeah, I mean, we gotta make ourselves laugh for this. I would be um, crying at the end of these. Yeah, for real. But I mean, and I'm, I'm done trying to make excuses for us. Yeah. You know, people, people know who we are. People know that we value the victim so much more than everything else. And that's fine. You know, if people want an excuse, then ask us or go listen to the past episodes we've given our excuses that's just who we are i'm not gonna defend a monster you know over a victim i'm sorry not gonna fucking do it people are gonna claim everything you know what i have to freaking rant about go for it while we're at it i mean i mean you step off the soapbox i may step on go for it all right yesterday i was really busy doing stuff halloween day so i put an order in for like corner shop to bring me groceries, right? right? So I was like, Ben's like, do you think we have enough Halloween candy? I was like, I think we do, but I'll throw a couple of extra bags into the cart, you know, 
Right. So, you know, make sure we have enough candy. Just back up. Yeah. Back up candy. If not, I'll eat it. So I do that and I get like a, a multi-pack of like the Hershey's, you know, bars candy. Right. Little miniature ones. Right. And then like a bag of like the, like Skittles and like those type of candies, you know? Yeah. So fill those two in there. Get my groceries delivered. Mm-hmm. I get two humongous bags of Christmas Reese's trees. Wow. <laughs> I was like, wait, can I hate? I can't hand these out on Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> you went such a different direction than what I expected, and I so thank you. I thought you were I thought you were gonna talk about how people sympathize with murders, rapists, and pedophiles, and how that is angering. But you went with the Reese's trees, and I'm very grateful because you've made me less angry. So thank you. That was my point. Real talk, though, uh, Reese's trees are still fucking amazing. Girl, she's showing me. I have me. two huge bags of them now. Awesome. I will give candy. I will remind you of my address later and you can mail them to me. <laughs> okay. So, anyways, Detective Chief Inspector J <laughs> notices this smell. Mm-hmm. Smell. Smell. Asks him what it is. At which point he calmly confessed what they were looking for was stored in bags around the apartment, which included two dismembered heads and other larger body parts. Well, at least he confessed right there. I'll give him that. I mean, at that point, he would have he would have needed to confess because otherwise, if he were like, oh, no, what that smell is, I'm sure, they would be like, okay, well, we'll see you tomorrow, sir. We'll see you. <laughs> Let us know if you have any questions. Here's my card. But, you know, anyways, I'll give him that. Nothing more. Piece of shit. Exactly. That, that was my whole thought through this thing. It's like, wow. Wow. <laughs> so after his arrest, he immediately provided exact details about his killing spree, admitting to killing 15 young men. Despite receiving a legal caution, he also admitted to the attempted murder of seven others. Wow. Yeah. Although he can name only four of them. Okay. At no point did he show any remorse. He appeared eager to assist the police with evidence against himself, even uh, taking them to his old address to point out specific disposal details. Okay, so I don't know why, but this reminds me of like, I don't know, you, you you go to a new job, right? Say you're um, fantastic at tech. Okay. And your manager is trying to show you how to work or train you in this new job. And you know so much more than your manager, right? You would be Dennis Nielsen in this case. The manager's like, so tell me about, uh, I, I really don't know what HTML code is in... And you're just like, okay, so this is how it's done. <laughs> it's like, yeah. that's kind of what I'm saying is like, these investigators are just like, uh, 
I don't know what to do. And Dennis Nielsen's like, dude, okay, look, listen, I'm just going to tell you right now. I fucking killed these people. I did this and this and this. Here, I'm going to show you where, and I'm going to show you how to be an investigator. And then the investigator's like, um, are you sure? Dennis is like, it's right fucking there. (laughs) (laughs) It's right fucking, do you see that bag? There's a head in it. It's right there. Let me take you to on my tour. And the police or the the investigators like, I don't know if that's a head though. It looks like an awfully large rock. It's a fucking head. I shrunk it in a pot. I'm gonna um, let me show you where else I put everything. I don't know. Anyway, I'm glad he did. Yeah, I, I'm he, like I'm telling you, they would have needed him to do that. Yeah, because otherwise the police investigators would be like, okay, bye. Yeah. Exactly. You know, I get so much hate for that. I don't really care. <laughs> and stepping off the soapbox. Yep. <clears throat> we need a button. Yep. Make us it's just. The, well, we have a we have a mute button. I'll just mute myself next time. <laughs> <laughs> we just need a like a sound. I'll just mute it, oh, and while you're sound. going on, while you're going on your notes, I'll be like talking, but you can't hear me. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry, no. listeners. You're you're gonna hear me tonight. <laughs> okay. And mute. Okay. <laughs> so, well, I don't know, but I feel like maybe he wanted help. I'm just I'm conflicted because uh, he he was conscious enough to keep doing this shit. May have been a weird way to seek attention. Some criminals do it for attention. You ain't lying. Yeah. I want to take a minute to say the names of the known victims. Okay, this is the most important part. So these are the ones that we know of, for a matter of fact. There are, I know there's more, but these are the ones that we can matter-of-factly say. So the first one is Stephen Dean Holmes. He was 14 years old, and he was murdered December 29th of 1978. Our next one is Andrew Ho. We do not know his age. And he was attempted murder in August of 1979. Next one is Kenneth Ockendon. He was 26 years old and his life ended on December 3rd of 1979. We have Martin Duffy, 16 years old. He was murdered on May of 1980. Next, we have William Billy Sutherland, age 27. And he was murdered in August of 1980. We have Douglas Stewart. We do not know his age. And he was an attempted murder that was in August August of 1980. The same as um, Billy. They're all so so young. Oh, no. Yeah, it's high. Um, Our next one is Malcolm Barlow. He was 24 years old. And he was murdered on September 18th of 1981. We have Paul Nobbs age 25 and he was an attempted murder on november 23rd of 1981 then we have our next one i'm probably gonna have his name so courtney must have been um i would i think that's toshimitsu ozawa okay that's kind of how i was gonna say it but you got it we do not know his age and his attempted murder was december 31st 1981 all right and then we have john howlett Dennis had called him John the Guardsman. Couldn't really find more into that, but 
I'm still gonna dig. We didn't. We don't know his age, the exact. And he was murdered in March of 1982. Uh, we have Carl Stotter. He was 21 years old, and he was an attempted murder in night in uh, April of 1982. Two more. One is Archibald Graham Allen. I don't know his age, and all we know was he was murdered in late of 1982. Wow. And the last one was Steve Sinclair. He was 20 years old, and his life ended on January 26th of 1983. Wow. So since there are so many victims, uh, we didn't have much to go off of, but... You know, to get to find to find the details of their lives, but Amanda and I would like to remind everyone that these victims, like all victims, they had their lives basically stolen from them, and for the sick pleasure of somebody else. Uh, we have these victims and their families in our hearts, and hope, as always, that some kind of closure and peace peace has been obtained. Yes, absolutely. After the confession, Dennis was held at. Brixen prison pending trial while there he wrote over 50 notebooks of his memories to assist the prosecution and also drew what he referred to as quote-unquote sad sketches which detailed his treatment of some of his victims there must not be a whole hell of a lot to do in prison for these people to try to be artists like look at Gacy I don't want to look at Gacy don't look at Gacy. I'm not going to. Okay, then don't. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dennis the Menace here would fire his legal counsel. Then he would rehire them. And then he would fire them. And then shortly before he came to trial. So, Dennis is the Karen of criminals. Yeah, the Donald Trump, maybe. I mean, we're not a political podcast, so... I'd like to remind everyone that Donald Trump did have a TV show where he fired everybody. He also did that in office, but we won't go there. Ah, yes. The Karen of criminals. The the Chad, actually. I think it's Chad, the male Karen. Chad the Impaler? Chad the Impaler, basically. Yeah. <laughs> like Vlad, Vlad the Impaler, but, but instead of Vlad, it's Chad. Chad. Who? Who names are... Never mind. <laughs> so his trial started on October 24th of 1983. Okay. He was charged with six counts of murder and two charges of attempted murder. He pleaded not guilty to all charges, citing no responsibility due to a mental defect. Yet he readily confessed and was completely of sound mind doing all this. That, uh... That adds up a lot. I'm, I'm really bad at math, but that adds up. Yeah, you are bad at math because that does not add up. No, it doesn't at all. So the prosecution relied primarily on the extensive interview notes that resulted from his arrest. When he would not stop blabbing, mm. which took over four hours to read to the jury, as well as the testimony of the three victims, Paul Nobbs, Douglas Stewart and Carl Stoddard, mm -hmm. who had managed to escape, thankfully. Yeah. And all of whom had attempted to strangle. Okay, so real quick, he's like, 
I didn't do it, but let me tell you exactly how I did. Okay, and that and that OJ. poor that <laughs> I didn't hear you talk about OJ. What? And then that poor jury, like I'm sure they're hoping for overtime pay overtime pay for the company that they work for. Yeah, it was long. Uh. So despite attempts by Nielsen's defense to undermine the testimony of these victims by introducing evidence of their sexual encounters with Dennis. Their horrific testimonies inflicted serious damage on the defense's case. Well, fudge to the yes. That's good. Yes. Fudge. Physical evidence included photographs of the murder scenes as well as the chopping board that he used to dissect the victims. Mm-hmm. And the cooking pot to boil the skulls, feet, and hands. So basically, never eat in anybody else's house again because... They could have cooked something unsavory in those pots. Got it. Courtney, your note-taking skills are on point. Thank you. I'm proud of you. Thank you. You're really not that big of an airhead. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so the defense relied mostly on the testimony of two psychiatrists, Dr. James McKeith and Dr. Patrick, let me say Galway. Yeah, Galway. So, Matt Keith described Dennis's troubled childhood, his inability to express feelings, and the resulting separation of mental function from physical behavior, which mm -hmm. affected his own sense of identity. And it implied an impaired responsibility on the part of Dennis. Yeah, okay. Under intense cross-examination by the prosecution, however, Matt Keith was forced to retract his judgment about diminished responsibility. Wow. Wow. Yeah. The second psychiatrist, Galloway, diagnosed Nielsen as suffering from a false self-syndrome, mm. quote-unquote. Mm -hmm. It's characterized by outbreaks of schizoid disturbances which made him incapable of premeditation but most of his testimony was extremely technical even giving the judge cause to question Galloway's um, complex diagnosis that speaks volumes yes and schizoid seems to be uh, you know it's commonplace in all of these cases right and yes, it totally speaks volumes. So the prosecution called Dr. Paul Bowden as a rebuttal psychiatrist who had spent a lot of time with Dennis. So I'm sorry for him. Though finding no evidence for the testimony from the defense psychiatrist, he stated that Dennis was manipulative with some of the signs of mental abnormality, but nevertheless mm -hmm. still responsible for his actions. Mm -hmm. Commonplace. So the jury retired on November 3rd of 1983. I bet they were fucking happy about that one. <laughs> they yeah, retired. I, I feel sorry for this jury. Yeah. They were actually un unable to reach a unanimous verdict. Okay. The following day, the judge agreed to accept a majority verdict. And at 4.25 p.m., they delivered a verdict of guilty on all six counts of murder. Bye, fuck ass. Bye. <laughs> so the judge sentenced Dennis Nielsen to life in prison without eligibility for parole for at least 25 years. I feel mm. like that isn't good enough. 
nope. parole even a possibility? I feel like parole should be reserved for people who commit lesser crimes. You know, like stealing or even robbery without the murder, you know? Drug use. And that it, yeah, you know, and that it shouldn't be even be a possibility for rapists, pedophiles, or even murderers. But apparently our system likes to show favoritism. So fun. Love it. I love that for them. You know what I love? What? Dennis Nielsen died in prison in 2018. <laughs> Good. <laughs> so he was taken to a hospital after complaining of severe stomach pains. Mm-hmm. They found a ruptured ab- abdominal. Why can I not speak? That's okay. I'm very thankful that we have Google Docs where we can share notes and I can read and help you out if I then need to. Abdominal aortic aneurysm. I can say mm-hmm. it. I promise I can. I know. So, they he had that thing, whatever. They repaired it. He suffered a blood clot as a result of complications from the surgery. Sad, sad, whatever. Mm. Um, I did read that he spent his final hours lying in his own filth as he suffered. He was cremated with only five mourners present. Who? Um, and no family members attended. Good rinse. Bye-bye. So, so he died shitting himself. I mean, technically, everybody shits when they die, I think. But, like, he literally shat the bed. Guess he should have ate his uh, Activia. No wonder Jamie Lee Curtis would think. I wonder what if, think. if you are Jamie Lee Curtis, we'd like to hear from you. Do you think that this could have been prevented by Activia? Please let us know by sending us an email at nefariousnightmare at gmail.com. Also, if you're a Jamie Lee Curtis, you're welcome to let us know on Twitter at a nefarious pod, or you can send us a picture of what you think at a nefarious nightmare pod on Instagram. You're also welcome, if you're Jamie Lee Curtis, to find us on Facebook at a nefarious nightmare. Now, if you are not Jamie Lee Curtis, but would like to share your opinion as to whether Dennis Nielsen should have eaten Activia yogurt before he died to prevent such a shitty bed death, you are welcome to follow us at all the above avenues as well. So, Amanda, do you have an ending quote? I thought you had one for us. Oh, yeah, that's right. Are you ready for this? It's, it's super deep. I'm ready. Go for it. Okay. <clears throat> Hang on. Amadeus, 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 rock me, Amadeus. Oh, wow. That was super profound. It was very cavernous. And I I learned that word today when looking for synonyms for deep. You want to know who it's by? Nietzsche? It's by Falco. The song is titled... Rock me, Amadeus. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah, I was close. Yeah, you were really close. So make sure you guys follow us on all the things. You guys subscribe to us on every platform or nearly every... every (laughs) On nearly every platform we're working on it, guys. But, you know, we're also on the most known ones, so that's cool. Also... Feel free to leave us five stars. That would be great. We've gotten a few new reviews lately and you know we love and appreciate you guys y'all could also go find us on podbean 
And go show that guy that left us a mean comment some love because he doesn't have enough love, obviously. You know, hurting people will hurt people or they'll try to. I mean, he didn't hurt me. It actually kind of made me laugh because honestly, same dude, same. Oh, and before we go, a word of advice. Okay. Don't eat out of pots that you don't know what could have been in it. Mm -hmm. Make sure you know the people you eat with very well. Because you never know if somebody boiled a skull in that. Mm-hmm. In general, don't eat with people you don't know. Unless you're going on a date or something in which I trust that you will make an educated decisions. Okay, well, uh, speaking of going on dates and making educated decisions and not ruining Thanksgiving for everybody like we just did, don't be a dick. And don't ruin people's Thanksgiving by walking into their house smelling like you had a romp in the onion patch. Don't overpower. They're cooking with your body odor. Wear deodorant. But what if they hate their family or bring up politics or whatever? I don't know. Just leave. But in all cases, you should wear deodorant. I really don't want you to smell. Yeah. Okay. Well, we care about you guys, so wear deodorant. Okay. Bye. Love you. Love you. Mean it. Thank you so much for listening to A Nefarious Nightmare. Music used in this podcast was created by Ghost Stories Incorporated. You can find their music on bandcamp.com. We do have social media. You can follow us at our Facebook page, at A Nefarious Nightmare, or you can follow our Instagram, Nefarious Nightmare Pod. If you have any stories of paranormal instances that have happened to you, or ideas for true crime, please email us at a nefarious nightmare at gmail.com. Thank you very much and take care.